0: Hello everyone, and welcome, and/or welcome back to my podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I genuinely appreciate it, and thank you guys so much for all the well wishes and the DMs and the responses to the first podcast that I put out. I genuinely appreciate that. Like, it's crazy to think that people are listening to something that I have to say. Granted, it's just me retelling a story, um, but it's something that really interests me. So. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope that you continue to listen um, and share as well if you really find it enjoyable. So today we're going to be speaking about a few haunted areas in South Africa. So because it's spooky season, I've decided that for this month, I'm just kind of going to keep with that theme. And what I'm going to do is I found a list of the top 10 most haunted places across South Africa. And I'm going to split it up into the weeks of the month. So I'm going to do three, 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 and then my own personal top pick, which is like, kind of has a bit of a personal story to it as well. So tune in on the last week if you want to hear um, about that. But yeah, right off the bat, a lot of the cases that I'm going to talk about are going to be based in the Western Cape. You guys know that's where the colonizers started. So it makes sense that there's so many bad vibes there. Um, So just expect that. Um, But actually the top pick is going to be a Durban pick. I feel like Durban has a lot of spooky things going on there as well. Let me not say Durban actually. I feel like Joburg people have this really terrible habit of just calling the whole of KZN Durban. So yes, the number one pick is going to be a KZN pick. Um, and it's like interesting, like as I was doing the research for all of these cases, I was just really interested, um, to find out so much history, um, about these areas as well that I previously had not known. So you guys will kind of also just get a little bit of a history lesson, um, within this series in particular. If you do have any suggestions, do let me know, um, and I'll research into them and add them. And I hope that you enjoy the first one that we're actually going to be looking at today is a really interesting one. And you've probably kind of already heard of it before, but you maybe just didn't know where it occurred. So that was really interesting for me as well, because I read up on it and I was like, whoa, that's really cool. So yeah, I really hope that you enjoy today's podcast. If you do, let me know, share it, engage with me on Twitter. Um, And yeah, let's just get right into it. Okay, so the first place we're going to talk about is in the Western Cape. Like I said, a lot of the places we cover um, on this list are going to be places in the Western Cape. So I'll take you specifically to um, the Cape of Good Hope or Cape Point, right? And back in the 1600s, specifically the the mid-1600s, European trading ships heading to Asia would have to pass through this route. And it was known to be quite a dangerous route because the weather was often quite bad. And they're like rock outcrops that make it quite a dangerous route for ships to, to go through. And as a result, a lot of ships had actually crashed in this area, specifically where the, when the weather was bad. If anyone has spent time in Cape Town, you know Cape Town is notorious for its dangerous winds. I personally have many times been blown into roads, Blown into fences because of the wind in Cape Town. It's no joke. So imagine dealing with that as well as being on rocky waters. So there's actually a specific story behind why this area in particular is haunted. So back in the day, it was actually um, known as the Cape of Storms or the Rocky Peninsula. And a lot of ships, like I said, would go through this area. But we're going to look specifically at one Captain, And his name was Hendrik van der Decken. I'm assuming he's from Holland. Um, and his crew were actually on their way back from Far East Asia, going back up to Holland and they were crossing through this area. And the name of the ship that he was the captain of was called the Flying Dutchman. This is where, when I read this, I kind of got excited because if you are like me and you've watched Pirates of the Caribbean multiple times, in the second movie, I think it's The Dead Man's Chest, the gent with the, um, the octopus face, Davy Jones, he's the captain of the Flying Dutchman. And if you don't know, in, in Legends and Folklore, it's, it's a ship that is, I don't want to give too much away because I will get into it, but essentially it's a ship that um, is destined to sail the seas forever and it's doomed for eternity so i got really excited when i read that because i had no idea that all of this happened like basically on our doorsteps so these guys are coming back from far east asia and they're about to cross into this path just where the the cape of good hope is and this captain was quite confident in his abilities um as a captain and i think his ego kind of got the better of him in this situation and it got a bit awkward when he said some things and then um the ocean said bet um but yes so they're coming back from from um, east india and a storm begins to brew and it's quite a hectic storm that in fact like the waters become so chaotic and the winds are so loud that it's screaming Um, and I don't know if you guys have ever actually experienced this. If you've been in Port Elizabeth or in, um, Cape Town, when the winds are actually so loud, it sounds like screams. So I can just imagine what was going on on the ship. Um, and so the crew was begging this captain, like not to go through the storm. Um, but he was once again, quite confident in his abilities. And he said, you know what? I will sail around the Cape. Even if it takes me until doomsday to accomplish it. And this is where the awkwardness comes in. Because actually immediately after that the ship goes missing. And we don't know if the remains of the ship um, or the remains of the passengers and the crew on board were ever returned to their families. Um, But if you look at the reports all that it really says is that the ship never made it to port. So yeah, it's kind of awkward that he said until Doomsday and then Doomsday came that day, um, I, th- I feel really bad for the people who are on board, but at the same time, it's like, mm. and apparently this this captain, Hendrik van der Decken was one of the first who were, um, who actually wanted to had the idea to settle and displace people um, in who were settled already, well people who were native to the land in South Africa so i don't know uh, a lot of mixed opinions uh, about about this case but anyways moving forward like i said this was not the first ship to ever um not make it to port after going through the cape of good hope so what makes this so legendary is the events that actually happen after you know the ship goes missing so you know at every port there'll be a lighthouse or or whatever and at the cape of good hope there have been numerous reports of sightings of the flying dutchman right and it seems like this ship is trying to find safe harbor during a terrible storm so people always have these sightings during terrible storms which is also just like something that you know pokes holes in the credibility a bit because if you're seeing it during a storm you know it might just be your eyes and there actually are some scientific um explanations kind of like a mirage effect but um sorry <clears throat> kind of like a mirage effect but like on the ocean where people see this ship um and yeah people people see the ship when there's a storm but another reason why this is you know in such a, a legendary or mythical category of ships um that have not made it to port is that It actually is a bad omen. People have reported like having bad things happen to them after seeing the ship, which is wild to me that people still go to the Cape of Good Hope to go and see this thing and when it's stormy, because why would you want to bring that kind of energy into your life? So let's chat about um, the general omen and um, a few of the sightings that have been documented. So it's known as the harbinger of death for vessels who see it, as I mentioned previously. And a lot of um, letters on shipwrecks have actually, you know, made statements about seeing the ship known as the Flying Dutchman. And later on, the, the crew had lost their lives and ships had been destroyed. And then in 1881, now, here's the thing about um, any cases that you look into that are so far back, a lot can cannot be, you know, verified because of the dates and as well technology in ships was not that great so we don't know what could have possibly gone wrong and like I'd spoken about there is this kind of mirage effect so you don't really know but I don't know I like to just play into the mystery I prefer to believe that it's a lot more interesting to me personally but yeah so it's 18181 and prince george the 5th who was serving as a midshipman as part of a vessel crew um basically relates the story at a later stage that um, they had seen this ghost ship not far from like Australian waters around four o'clock in the morning not really sure what the weather conditions were like um, but they all just kind of got a bad vibe about it and then a couple of days later the seafarer who was the first person to actually see the ship and report on the ship to the rest of the crew falls down the stairs and dies and it's such a freak accident that everyone on board is like it must have something to do with the ship and I guess at this point in time it's about 200 years later legend had already started to circulate about the ship the flying dutchman and in all of the cases about seeing the ship it's always the same kind of theme it's like you don't see anything and then the ship kind of just pops out of nowhere at full sail and some, some reports um, even state that, you know, these ships have almost collided with the Flying Dutchman. And just at the point of collision, the ship disappears, which is crazy. Because if you go back and you watch in Pirates of the Caribbean, the cine- cinematography is stunning in there. You guys should watch Pirates of the Caribbean. I I think you guys should if you haven't already. But yeah, if you look in there, um, it's kind of known as this like underwater ship that can never, ever you know go on land and that also feeds into the storyline of um the pirates of the caribbean series itself but um it's an underwater ship and you kind of just see nothing like it's calm and then it just comes out of the water and chaos ensues and then it disappears again so i guess that's kind of just like an extension or an exaggeration of that um and also a lot of a lot of people speak about it being this like ominous vessel which here's the thing I don't like to um I don't like to discredit people when they speak about things to do with their gut because I personally have had experiences where I can't explain why something is off and I can't explain why something feels a specific way but I'm sure that what's going on here is not right and I've nine times out of ten been correct about a situation so i i believe in the sixth sense i believe people should always trust their gut and if somebody says that this is not looking good it's looking ominous more likely than not i'm gonna believe you so then the next two incidents before i kind of wrap this this haunting up um the second one was in um 1835 so actually just right before this prince george one it was a British vehicle, actually, that came near to having a collision with the so-called ghost ship. And I don't know what form of technology, once again, they had on these ships. But they'd actually sent out a form of an SOS. And um, as they were about to collide with the ship, it disappeared. And all of the crew were just completely stunned by everything. And a considerable amount of the crew went on to have, like, bad things happen in their lives um, after that. The last event that I'm going to speak about is the most... Um, recent um sighting of the ship and it's when a people at the glen cane beach in cape town i know i'm not pronouncing that right but um you know what (laughs) howdy so they reported seeing this vessel sailing towards shore under full sail before disappearing soon right and in the same week um another ship under um you know under Nazi rule in Germany, it was a German submarine boat, had actually seen the Flying Dutchman during their voyage through the east of the Suez. So if I'm not mistaken, the Suez Canal is um, kind of like this channel between Africa and Asia, had not been discovered at the time of, you know, the 1600s where people would still go all the way around Africa. That's just if my history... Um, my history correctly it'll be so embarrassing if this is like the last podcast with the math thing where i think i can actually just think things up myself but i realize that i can't um but yeah, always um reports that things generally don't go well for people who see the ship now it's quite a tourist attraction like i had mentioned previously for people to go down to the cape of good hope and see if they can try and spot the ship uh i personally will never be participating in that but hey. If anyone wants to go down there, spot it, and let me know what happens, please do. I'd be interested to know. I'll even do a follow-up podcast in your name as well as all the bad things that happened to you after that. I promise you. But yeah, that's pretty much the end of the Flying Dutchman um, chat. And it's apparently like a really, really haunted area. I don't even want to feel the vibes. But if anyone actually has been in that area and have felt the vibes, do let me know. So the second place we're going to be talking about is also in the Western Cape, specifically in Takai. Takai is a beautiful region, guys. If you've ever been there, um, the wine farms there are really good. Um, And it's just a very peaceful area, very foresty, very green. I would suggest going there, but not to this specific place. I, I don't know. I like to read about these things. I don't like to go there and experience it for myself. So, yeah, the house we'll be chatting about is Takai Manor House. And it was actually initially a farm that was granted to a man by the name of Johan Rauch in 1792, back when Caucasians were just giving out land that they had no rights to. So within two months of this farm being granted to him, he sells it to a man named Andres Tubes. And Andres commissions a man by the name of Louis Zabalt, who was a Frenchman, um, who was actually one of South Africa's first architects, and he designed a lot of the, the buildings that we look to now in, in the Cape region that are still, like, really beautiful. For example, Hurt Constantia, Quipmanstavet House, and the Drosti in Hrafrenetz are just, like, a few of the examples. So he was, he was a really great architect. And although, like, you know, was not the greatest guy, um, he, and in fact, he even got fired at some point by the government, but he was reinstated because there was just no one who was as good as him. Um, he was known to, to build homes or buildings with that, you know, whether it is the Cape Dutch style or whatever European styles, and he'd kind of just add his own signature to it. So that's exactly what he did. And he built this house from 1795 to 96, along with Andries. And it's actually quite a beautiful house, like, I won't lie. And what the signature was in this house was that the stoop was actually raised. So it was a Cape's, um... A Cape Dutch architecture-style uh, home, but the front stoop was raised, which was a feature that was not normally seen in Dutch architecture. And although this house was beautiful, you know, and it was a sight to see, um, unfortunately, depending on where you stand, Andrius went bankrupt, you know, trying to build this home. And he ended up selling it to a member of the Exteen family, Right. And this family, when they lived there, it was considered to be the most outstanding homestead on the entire peninsula. And that was all back to Louis Tybalt's work that he had done on this house. Now, the Eckstein family loved to party and their wine cellars were like renowned. Like everybody knew this family, they loved to party. They have great wine cellars. It's always just a good time. And they had these like lavish, lavish, lavish parties. And so the first owner, actually, of the Exene family also goes bankrupt. I don't know how. Maybe it was the parties. Maybe it was the vibes of the house. Who knows? But anyways, one of his brothers eventually takes over the estate. And they kind of just continued this legacy of hosting these um, beautiful um, bashes and lavish parties with a lot of guests. And so on one night on New Year's Eve, they hosted this beautiful party. They had a lot of guests there. And one of the senior members of the Eckstein family dared his son, Frederick, to ride his horse up the stairs and into the dining room. That's how I know that the wine cellars must have been bomb in this house because who thinks to do this? Who thinks to dare their son to do this? And I'm also like kind of disrespectful that like The people who are probably polishing these floors like now horses are going up the stairs i'd have no words for it personally anyways he dares his son to do so and frederick was like for sure i'm gonna do this so he gets the horse from the stables and he goes around the dining room and all the guests i guess are delighted by it you know entertainment you know great time great wine Um, and so this the son frederick finally departs the room on horseback and in full view of all the guests, right, he starts to go up the stairs. And the horse slips on the very steep steps and both the horse and Frederick fall and die instantly. So now, like I said, as this is a national monument, people can go visit it. And there have been lots of reports of, um, you know, this thing called the deadly horseman and people can hear the horses galloping within the house, and some often see the ghost within the house, right? Especially around New Year's Eve. I don't know who would go there around New Year's Eve, but if you guys go there this year on New Year's Eve, tell me what happens. Once again, I'll report on everything. Like, I got you. <laughs> so, the government then, at this time, acquired the property in, 1818, in 1883 from the family, And they used it as a reformatory, which is basically like a correctional facility. And um, I don't know why specifically they chose this place. I guess maybe because it's a bit remote. But yeah, they chose to do so. And if you watch a lot of horror movies that have like paranormal themes, you know, it's always these places that are like asylums, institutions, and on top of the someone died there that are always like kind of the spookiest things. Like you could write horror movies off of this stuff. Um, And so... It was used like that for a while and then I guess it kind of just became abandoned. And then in the 1960s, it underwent restoration and it was officially then declared a national monument. Right? Um now, right, there's something like kind of weird going on, right? Because they've closed um they've closed the offices in this area like quite often. It's not a COVID thing, but like they close it quite often. And phones go unanswered and there's no explanation. Like people don't know why the offices will be, will be closed. On days where it will say that like they're open and they're, you know, people can come and see the place. It'll just be closed. And when they try to call, phones go unanswered. And there's speculation that it's because of the ghost. Now, if I was working at this house, personally, if I heard a horse galloping <laughs> in the house, I'm also calling it a day. I'm knocking off right then and there but what's really interesting is that um, this house is still standing today despite you know all the fires that happened so Cape Town is kind of especially as of late it has been susceptible to a lot of fires that start like on the mountain and come down and this historical building literally has just still standing and it escapes major damage like from i think 2015 was a really bad bout of, of fires in cape town still standing um and so it's it's weird that you know because it, it sits quite like at the base of table mountain that the whole of table mountain was on fire and like even the university of cape town you know suffered some damages because of fires that have happened and this house has just kind of stood know no damage to it um and i don't know make of that what you will (laughs) the last place that we'll be chatting about today is surprise surprise also in the western cape specifically a town named mikey's fontaine and this is in the Karoo, and it's considered to be one of the most haunted towns in south africa and now back in the day right it was kind of the headquarters of the Cape Command during the Anglo-Boer War. And yeah, it was also it was also a venue for a lot of controversial war crimes hearings. So a lot of history there. Um, but yeah, the specific place that we're going to be talking about is the Lord Milner Hotel. Now let's chat about Lord Milner because I've had beef with Lord Milner since about grade 10. Like genuinely I've had beef with that man since grade 10 so the reason why I've had beef with this guy is because you know how like in high school or actually in junior school as well you have like your houses and it'll either be like red green yellow and blue I forgot my primary colors I don't know why <laughs> But, um, and you'll name them different things. So ours were named, I'm not going to say my school, but ours were named after shady Caucasian men. And it was just so weird to me that like these houses that we were in were kind of like paying homage to these really terrible men. And I was in Milner house, hated it, but, um, yeah, so this Milner gent was actually born in Germany and then he came over to South Africa and he was one of those people who was just a diehard for like the British empire and british rule and so he was a really devoted servant to the power of you know the british empire he believed like um that the british was superior to every other race and this like included other caucasians so they believed that they were far superior than the i don't know if that's politically correct but the Afrikaners here in south africa and if you know who that sounds like, <laughs> Cecil John Rhodes. Um, so anyone with that kind of thinking is just incredibly, incredibly problematic. And basically, this guy just played a really huge role in the anglo Boer War. Um, he obviously rose through the ranks by just not being a very great guy. Very problematic. Very, 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 very racist. And just your, you know, your normal colonialist in this time. So the fact that this hotel is still named after him and is still standing, already bad vibe central, bad, bad, bad vibe central. Okay, but back to the story. So now we are at Lord Milner Hotel in the Karoo, right? And there are some ghosts that apparently just live up in this hotel and everyone in the area, as well as the hotel staff, know about these ghosts and they're apparently quite friendly ghosts i don't know what that means (laughs) personally not trying to find out whether a ghost is friendly or not i'm just gonna avoid it in general but once again if you guys want to go there and report back to me let me know so the a lot of tourists become familiar with two ghosts in particular lucy and kate right so um lucy is apparently a little girl Right, and apparently she's this friendly little girl, and she just never checks out of her room in the first floor, and um, there are a lot of voices that also can be heard from time to time in the dead of night, and sometimes there'll be some like loud quarrels or like bickering or shattering of windows and things like that, and the way they is just listed on these websites like it's such a normal thing, like it's really okay when it's not, um, yeah, and the guests will hear these things and obviously go and investigate. And there'll be nothing and no one there there'll be no class there'll be no nothing and i guess the hotel staff will just let them know like no that's probably that's probably lucy but yeah lucy is a little girl no one really knows um how how she died um but i guess they just decided to name her for all we know this girl could be a grown woman doing whatever Some ghost. I don't know. I don't play around with things I can't see. (laughs) So that's the first that's the first ghost I'm going to tell you about. So now there's a bit more information about this ghost Kate, right? Because we know a bit about her when she was alive and who she is assumed to be. Right. So when you go into the hotel, there's a main staircase and it goes up one story and divides into two turns. And then you kind of can just like go around. Right. And then there's like a steep little staircase. At the top of that staircase, there's a door and there's a plaque on the door that says Kate's card room. And this leads into a room of like the central turret, which was used as a lookout and guard room back when the hotel was still like an army hospital. So like I said, it was kind of like headquarters for this area was headquarters for the Anglo War. So this must have been an army hospital at the time. And this woman named Kate was a young nurse who actually would enjoy playing cards with some of the patients there. Um, And this was in the days where a lot of British officers would be brought in. So she was quite a well-known nurse, right? She was only 19 at the time um, of her death, and she died mysteriously. I don't know. I feel like a lot of the times when people say people died mysteriously back in the day, it's because medicine was not evolved enough to... Um, to determine what the cause of death could have been but I guess it also just adds to the spookiness of the story. But yeah, so she dies at 19 um, mysteriously and then the first report after that was when the um, hotel when it was converted into a hotel and one hotel guest saw a woman floating around on the lower floor um, carrying a deck of cards and when she tried to, like, go into the room that she saw this ghost going into, I don't even know why she went there in the first place. But the door was locked. So um, she she had asked about it. And they said, that no, there's no one staying up in those rooms. And basically, people will hear um, when they stay in this hotel, they'll hear cards shuffling in this room. Or they'll see Kate's ghost, um, you know, moving around the hotel at about quarter to eight. Quarter to eight is so early, guys. Like, I don't even sleep that early now. If I'm in this hotel, I must be sleeping at six just to make sure. But yeah, um, one of the housekeepers actually, you know, had an experience which was quite crazy, right? So she goes into the room at 12.30 noon, right? And something brushed past her. Now, for me, this is kind of... <laughs> stories like this just give me anxiety because in my mind ghosts come out at night but like it makes complete sense that ghosts just live in the daytime with us too. So as the housekeeper feels the thing brush past her she turns around to see what it was because you know it's the daytime she has no reason to be freaked out she turns around and she sees a woman in a long white dress that kind of looked like one of those old school nurses uniform and as we know at this point in the story already That this place was once an army hospital. So as she's like you know trying to get a clearer look. This thing fades away. So the housekeeper runs downstairs to the other members of the staff. And she is like gasping. And trying to tell the story about what she just saw. And everyone's kind of like yeah dude like that's, that's Kate. Like she walks around trying to find patients you know to play cards with. And once again, I'm personally shook because something like this will never be okay to me. I watch a lot of horror movies and my favorite like subcategory of like horror under paranormal is like based on true events. And I remember watching this one um, horror movie with that, that hun that played Ismay in Twilight. Yeah, she was in it. And basically she had this ghost in her house who she believed to be her husband because every time she'd ask this ghost questions on like the Ouija board or whatever, it would give um, correct things. So like, when, where was I when I found out that I was pregnant? And like, you know, this ghost would give like correct answers. And turns out it was just this random ghost that had been watching their family for like years and years and years on end. So me, I like to deal with things that I can see. I'm not trying to name or classify or be okay with anything that I can't see. But you know what? To each their own. What's so interesting, though, about this story in particular is because this housekeeper actually like doesn't really believe in she didn't really believe in ghosts, didn't really believe in the paranormal. She was known to be quite a level headed person. So when this story came out, it kind of lent a bit of credibility to, you know, this whole chat. And that's what I like to do as well. Like I I really like to, especially when I have paranormal experiences, maybe I'll chat about them. Um, if people are interested to hear about them, but whenever I have them, I always try and like, think about what could be the most logical explanation to this. Like, although I do believe I still try and filter out like, ah, it could have been this. Like, for example, in my home currently, sometimes birds get into like the roof and they like nest there. So at night they're like, make a lot of noise. And to normal people, um, who've never heard that before, they may be freaked out. But for me, I'm like, nah, it's not a ghost. It's not anything. It's just the birds in the roof. But whenever I can like cancel everything out, I'm like, okay, this does not make sense. Plus the vibes that I got. I know it's kind of on the paranormal side of things. But yeah, those are the top three for today. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. Definitely engage with me, like I said earlier. And if you have any suggestions, please let me know. I already have my list. But if if you give me something that's more interesting, I'll definitely research into that. And stay tuned for next week. I'll probably be doing another three. I'll try and, you know, mix it up. I'll mix a little bit of other provinces in there as well, just so we're not, you know, hating on the Western Cape too much. But yes, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day and have a lovely week.